You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that looked like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. Alright, welcome back to the SLC Punks podcast. This is your host, Hansen James. And this is Milo. And today we have a special guest. It's Joe Molinax from uh, from Grizzly Bear Blues. Uh, that's the name of the, the Grizzlies blog, right, Joe? Yes, that, that's us. GrizzlyBearBlues.com. Uh, come, come to us for all your John Morant uh, coverage <laughs> over the next 10 years, it feels like. It, it, it will be John Morant Blues. Um, but I appreciate you guys for having me on. And obviously, uh, I have a sneaky suspicion you don't want to talk about John Morant. It's it's probably the point guard that'll be leaving Memphis in the next few days, more than likely that you guys are interested in. Well, if you guys want to trade John Morant over here, we're totally okay <laughs> with it. I don't um, think you guys have enough to, to get John Morant. Um, no, I don't, I don't think so either. The but, one uh, dude that would maybe get the job done, you're not trading. So yeah, uh, there's no way we part with Joe Ingles. So um, <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> knowing Utah people, 100% accurate. Goodness gracious. I remember suggesting that once in a trade post, and Utah people stormed the castle of grizzlybearblues.com. It was it unbelievable. Is, it is It is weird. And I think it's like, at first, like, I think we started it as a meme. Like, Joe Ingles was the god, and we just started this. And then he's turned into this, because when he first started, he was just uh, he was just this, like, role player that we, we just thought Quinn Snyder just really fell in love with. Like, he just found his new Matt Harpering. Right. Uh, and so that's where the jokes came from. And then he ended up like really improving really quickly. And so, I don't know, it became this meme inside the, the jazz Twitter. Um, and, and now like, yeah, he's a fan favorite. It, it's, it's crazy. Like even when you mentioned there could be somebody better at his position, it's just like, how dare you? Right. Disrespect <laughs> the great well, name of Joe Ingles. Bring it over a circle. That's, that's kind of how we we view Mike Conley in Memphis. I think Mike Conley's a better basketball player than Joe Ingles, but you know, Mike, Grizzlies fans yeah. <laughs> hold Mike Conley to a pretty high esteem as well. And well, so, I, and, and so, speaking of of Mike Conley, um, you know, there's obviously you're not on here just to talk about uh, you know good old Jaron Jackson, who we'll see at summer league here in in a couple weeks in Utah. But um, if he does play, uh, the question is with Mike Conley um, because I, I would say the Utah Jazz community is is kind of torn um, between. Uh, say the potential of a D'Angelo Russell or, or the possibly the for sure th- thing um, that's already developed in Mike Conley. And uh, why don't you tell us what Mike Conley has brought to the Memphis Grizzlies over the last couple of years? And what do you think he would bring to any team that traded for him? Well, it's kind of like at the end of infinity war Avengers infinity war, not to Marvel nerd all over your podcast, but 
Overall, I guess not that's totally, yeah, when yeah, he's, you are amongst friends. When he's asked uh, by his young daughter how much it cost, and he said everything, that's what Mike Conley means to Memphis. Um, so the fact that we're even in this place where we're comfortable having this conversation, uh, I, I think that Utah Jazz fans should take that in consideration when they look at this because in Memphis, and I think you guys to an extent can understand this as well, obviously the Stockton Malone era and, and other players along the way, in a small market, you you feel like you get to know them better. Like it's not like there's some uh, like a LeBron James otherworldly alien creature that you could never relate to. You know, Mike Conley for 12 years, Grizzlies fans have watched, you know, become a husband, become a father. And that sounds kind of silly to say about a professional athlete, but you feel like you know them. And Mike Conley is the one guy on this roster who has been with the team for such a sustained period of time, a homegrown talent who has really kind of been through the the ringer in terms of not having uh, the greatest start to his career. There was a rumored trade uh, a year or two into his tenure as a Grizzly where Ramon Sessions would have been one of the major returns, I believe, in a Mike Conley trade. Imagine if that had happened. Um, mm-hmm. And now to go from that and what he was to the entire grit and grind era, the playoff series in 2015 where he broke his freaking face against the Portland Trailblazers, came back a week or so later to play the Golden State Warriors, outplayed Steph Curry with, once again, a broken freaking face. Uh, it, it's a guy that we're invested in, uh, mm-hmm. and we don't trade him away lightly. The trade of Marcus All made it more possible. It, it didn't feel as bad as I think maybe folks thought it might. Uh, and that's not to say that we weren't happy for Mark. There were some Grizzlies fans on Twitter that wanted to throw him a parade in Memphis for winning the title in Toronto. Um, so I, I think that the main thing that Utah fans need to understand, first and foremost, when you engage with a Memphis person about the value of Mike Conley, Conley's value is going to be like the value of Zach Randolph and Tony Allen before him, and then obviously Marcus Saul as well. In Memphis, those guys are going to be perceived as far more valuable than maybe anywhere else, not right. just because of their contributions, but also because of what they meant to the city. Now, Mike Conley is the one exception among those four. Obviously, Gasol is an older big. Randolph was kind of a niche player towards the end. Same thing with Tony Allen, of course. Uh, his entire career, he was a niche player. Mike mm-hmm. Conley is one of the top 25 to 30 players in the National Basketball Association. The numbers back it up. The eye test tells you that. He's somebody that is worthy and commands the type of money and the type of return in terms of multiple first-round picks or a young player, a combination of both. All of that makes sense when it comes to Mike Conley. So my argument for Mike Conley over somebody like Russell would be if you want to win a championship now, because with the Kevin Durant injury, the Clay Thompson injury, the Western Conference is wide the hell open. If you want to win, you're going to do it more likely with Mike Conley right now than you will D'Angelo Russell. Now, is it possible that he and Donovan Mitchell thrive alongside each other and they become one of the greatest offensive backcourts in the NBA and all that? Yeah, that's certainly possible. But if you're looking for somebody who's going to fit in with your roster immediately, who's going to be a locker room leader immediately, who's going to carry himself in a way, in a manner that you want a Utah Jazz player to do, you go get Mike Conley and you pay what you need to pay because Memphis is going to be more interested in a younger player or multiple first-round picks 
They're not going to ask you for Donovan Mitchell. They're not going to ask you for Joe Ingles. They're not going to ask you for these guys that don't fit alongside the time frame of John Morant or Jaron Jackson Jr. So, and it's also just two years of a contract. Like it's not the long-term investment that a D'Angelo Russell would be. If D'Angelo Russell doesn't work and you have him for four years and you're overpaying this guy towards the end of his contract, whereas if Mike Conley doesn't work out, he's two years, he's off the books, his contract expires when Donovan Mitchell's does, and it doesn't impact your ability to bring him back in any way, shape, or form. So to me... The, the value in Mike Conley is not just as a basketball player, but also as a person and as a leader in that locker room. If you're serious about contending for a championship, to me, Mike Conley, now that Anthony Davis obviously is off the block, is the very best player available realistically. Like Bradley Beal is not realistically available. The Wizards aren't going to trade him. Uh, Mike Conley is realistically available, and he is someone who can have that Gasol-esque impact I think you can argue very easily Toronto doesn't win that championship without Marc Gasol. And Mm -hmm. if the Utah Jazz want to win a championship, they need someone like Mike Conley on their team. Yeah, I I can agree with you with uh, when you're in a small market and you've watched those players grow and from the time they're drafted, because that that is the small market story. Like you hold on to those players for a while and – they bring with them and they pull with them regardless of what their actual value is on the, on the free market. Um, it's that, that feeling of what you're going to get for them. You're pulling a whole tractor trailer full of uh, emotion and uh, nostalgia. Anytime their name is, is pulled. I mean, you saw it with Utah when Gordon Hayward left, it wasn't just that Gordon Hayward left. It was the emotional investment. What, what uh, that you felt like, you you know you saw them grow up before your very own eyes and and as a small market it's always scary to see your players go on to another market because it almost re reinvests that uh, idea that players don't stay or players right. don't stick around so yeah so i told i totally get that uh from you uh and and about the mike Conley and and agree that he would be um instant plug and play and ready to go um what do you think a uh, a trade? What if if Grizz, if Grizzlies were able to get the trade that they want from from Utah, knowing that what Utah's assets are? Because I know you've written probably quite a few posts on this, as I have. <laughs> um, what 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 are you as a as a Grizzlies fan and someone who covers the team? What are you looking for in coming back um, from Utah's side? Utah doesn't have the assets that it did uh, before before the trade deadline. Obviously, the Ricky Rubio expiring was attractive and, and that sort of stuff, and now those options are gone. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, Derek Favors doesn't make a ton of sense for the Grizzlies or for Utah Agreed. to trade because mm-hmm. if Utah – again, if we're talking about being a championship contender, you don't trade away Derek Favors just so he can get waived by the Memphis Grizzlies. That doesn't make sense, and I don't necessarily think – Outside of cap purposes, I don't think that would be a make or break for the Grizzlies. I think it it starts with Dante Exum. I don't necessarily think it should. To me, the <laughs> ship has sailed on that in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, obviously he's a little bit injury prone, or at least he seems to be that way. He's still very young and obviously still has a lot of athleticism. The owner of the Memphis Grizzlies, Robert Perra, really likes Exum a lot. So I think that hmm. that keeps that as a realistic possibility if this trade I did not know occur. that. Yeah, he, he's a fan of Exum's game. So it, it's one of those all, things. All, what, 50 of them? Right. No, I mean, you're exactly right. So it, it's it's one yeah. of those things that, you know, obviously ownership 
they run the team, so they, they can do whatever the hell they want with their franchise. It's their money. And so if they want Dante Exum and, and that's a realistic thing, then then that's going to happen. I don't know that's what I would like, but mm-hmm. I'm not running the Grizzlies. Uh, from there, I think looking at what Utah has now, it has to be multiple first-round picks, and that can include this year's pick. I think it's number 23 overall for you guys. Mm-hmm. I think it can include that, but I think that there needs to be a better pick down the road in terms of 2021, lightly protected, going into 2022, unprotected, something that's going to wet the whistle, so to speak, of the Grizzlies down the road. That, to me, is where the value will be in a trade with Utah because Dante Exum is a good young player when, in theory. right? Theoretically mm-hmm. speaking, Dante Exum's a hell of a guy to have on your roster in terms of development, but that doesn't mean that it's actually going to work out. Uh, you're looking for draft picks if it's a Utah trade. And tonight, mm-hmm. Woj on ESPN said that Memphis should be able to get numerous first-round picks for Mike Conley. So I think that that's more realistic that it's been, that it's been in the past, which is good to hear. I like Royce O'Neal a lot. I like Grayson Allen a decent bit. I like Royce better than Grayson. Uh, I think that that's kind of the framework. You know, one of those two guys, Dante Exum to make salaries work, and then whatever cap filler you need to put in. I mean, if Kyle Korver comes and it's non-guaranteed or, you know, Jay Crowder could maybe be a piece that the Grizzlies could flip at the trade deadline to a contender right. and get another asset. Mm-hmm. So what, whatever money you need to add to make it work from there, I think Memphis, that's not going to be the sticking point for the Grizzlies. I think if Memphis and Utah are serious, hopefully the Grizzlies are coming to the table saying we need multiple first round picks. Dante Exum, knowing Robert Tara, that's probably what they're saying one of Grayson Allen or Royce O'Neal, and then whatever you want to send us in terms of bad money, in air quotes, uh, we <laughs> will take back in exchange for that, if that makes sense. Do you right. think, so we're kind of watching the the Celtics um, crumble before our eyes right now, and they seem like a team that actually might be interested in Mike Conley as well. Is, uh, and maybe there's someone else out there. Maybe you guys, because you guys are more locked in with kind of all the things going on with the Conley's uh, trade situation. Is there a team like the Celtics or someone else that you think might step in and outbid Utah? Because we've heard that Utah is kind of the front runner, but maybe you guys are hearing something else. Or is there someone else you think might be able to? Because I almost wonder why hasn't the trade happened already? You know, maybe uh, if they're waiting to just the draft night to make sure certain guys are on the board or something i don't know what do you think well i think that memphis has other suitors i do believe that uh the utah jazz are in that mix but at the same time there's been reports that the indiana pacers are interested uh miles turner might be in the mix for a a grizzlies trade with with mike conley if if that were to happen all bets are off sorry guys i want miles turner there's nothing on the utah jazz that they're realistically going to send that's better than miles turner uh, right and, and that uh, good luck scoring on Miles Turner and Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, that's mm-hmm. probably not going to happen in the paint. So to me, that would be a superior offer. The Miami Heat are are potentially interested. Uh, there's been reports of that. Nothing substantial yet, but if they come to the table with you know Kelly Olynyk, the expiring contract of Ryan Anderson, and their first round pick this year, I think you do that. You know that's a lottery pick, a late lottery selection. I think that's a good value trade for what Mike Conley is at this stage in his career. And it gives Memphis greater flexibility in 2020 when they figure to have over 50 million in cap space, potentially uh, for restricted free agents, Malik Beasley, Jalen Brown, 
uh, other guys that'll be on the market. Ben Simmons, uh, theoretically, mm-hmm. if they don't have the the uh, an extension agreed upon before hitting restricted free agency, um, there's other teams out there. I don't think Boston's going to happen anymore because now that Al Horford, it kind of sounds like he's just leaving. Period. I don't think it makes sense for the Celtics to trade anything of substance to to get Conley. Um, yeah, and I can see Mike Conley's agent just being putting the kibosh on that and being like, and and the Grizzlies. I I feel like, and and correct me if I'm wrong, the Grizzlies do do want to do right uh, by their sure. by their point guard. Like when when they've been in this this position for this long, and it's and it's them making the breakup. I I. I it feels like they're trying to find the the right situation, much like the Jazz did with Joe Johnson a couple. Uh, what was it last year when they were like, "Yeah, let's let's uh, let him find his way over to Houston to try to chase a ring." Well, I think one of the main things to understand is I don't think the Grizzlies are going to send him to Phoenix. Like that, that's kind of been the rumor. Not there's nothing substantial there, but you know, Phoenix keeps saying we want a veteran point guard. We want a veteran point guard. Well, the Grizzlies have the best one on the market, and and in theory, Phoenix has some pretty tantalizing uh, options there. TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, the number six overall pick, of course, even yeah. though this is a draft where that pick may not be as sexy. If DeAndre Hunter falls to six, I like DeAndre Hunter a lot. I would be happy with that trade. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I do believe that this is going to be a little bit different than Gasol because there's going to be more suitors. At the trade deadline, it was essentially Toronto or Charlotte. And the Charlotte package wasn't that much better than the Toronto package. So the Grizzlies decided to go with the Raptors deal because it gave Mark a better chance to win here. Mm -hmm. If, if it's Indiana, if it's Miami, if it's Utah, you know, you can kind of do the sliding scale of Utah might be a better team than those two teams, but they're the uh, Pacers and the heater in the East in the East. Theoretically, obviously if, if Kawhi stays in Toronto, it changes a little bit, but Boston's imploding. Maybe Philadelphia gets better, uh, but they could lose Harris and Jimmy Butler. You know, everything's kind of up in the air right now. So if the East is open, you know, Mike Conley goes to the East. He's never made an all-star team. It's probably going to be easier for him to make an all-star team in the East than the West. You, you look at those kinds of things, and I think it makes sense to send Mike to Indiana or Miami. But at the same time, if the West continues to get weaker, and obviously that we say that with LeBron and AD probably adding somebody else in Los Angeles, but if mm-hmm. the West, you know, Utah figures to be a top five team in the Western Conference, I think that's fair to assume. You add Mike Conley, that only strengthens that. Utah will be a Western Conference Finals contender if they get Mike Conley. So it's right. kind of weighing all of that together. Those are three options that I think you could make an argument that they all offer Mike something, varying degrees. You know, if he goes to Utah, he's still in the Western Conference. He's probably not making an all-star game still. But at the same time, you could argue that the Jazz of those three teams I presented are the best team right now and maybe give Mike uh, his best chance at getting to the Western Conference Finals again and then hopefully the NBA Finals. Right. And I also think they're the most desperate. Um, Out of those teams that you listed, Utah's come hit a glass ceiling two, uh, three straight years in a row in that in that second round and now feel they are really, really close. So I think Memphis even if there weren't any other trade partners, Memphis does hold some uh, some trade leverage over them because they just they know what they're they're keeping them from by uh, by hold, holding back on 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 Conley. Um, so with that, because and what are your thoughts on um, 
because I was talking to, uh, I believe it's the the beat writer for The Athletic um, who covers Memphis. Um, Amari Sankova. Yes. Yes, and he's terrific. It, yes, fantastic. Uh, and talking to him uh, back and forth on Twitter and and uh, just about the potential of a Joe Ingles because um, part of, cause I know that Dennis Lindsay – is not a fan of sending out first rounders, not, not past, like not past the present. Anyway, he has, he has not done it once in his tenure <laughs> for the Utah jazz. This is a different time, but once again, that's, you know, that's uh, the plate that we're working with. And, and just, uh, we're talking about the potential of maybe putting a Joe Ingles in there instead of an additional first rounder. So that, um, that could add some, some trade capital at the next trade deadline. Would that be, would that be something you think would uh, interest the Memphis Grizzlies if that was an option, um, if they were to do that? If it, if it were two years ago and the Grizzlies were still trying to find that wing to put around the core four of Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, Marcus All, and Mike Conley, then yes, Joe Engels would be awesome to have. But he doesn't really fit their timeline. You know, The goal mm-hmm. now needs to be surrounding Jaron Jackson Jr. and Job Morant with as much young talent as possible that's going right. to fit their skill set. Now, obviously, you have to pay somebody. I think that 90% of the cap needs to be paid uh, before you reach penalties and that sort of thing, or you you have to spend at least 90% of the cap. So you, you could argue that Joe Ingles would be part of that, and I do believe that he's a good veteran player that wouldn't hurt the development of John Jaron. But at the same time, I wouldn't prioritize that over a first-round pick. And if Indiana is willing to give the number 18 pick and a 2021 pick similar protections like I talked about earlier with you guys, and, you know, again, talk about bad contracts if they don't want to move Turner or Sabonis. Uh, to me, mm-hmm. that would be a more attractive deal because Memphis, they still have the the uh, the conveyance of that first round pick to Boston hanging over their head. It's top six protected in 2020. And then in 2021, it's unprotected if it doesn't convey in 2020. So they are still kind of at the mercy of the Celtics when it comes to their draft future. You know, the Lakers have to deal with that for the next seven years with the Pelicans that's Memphis still has it for at least two more seasons or at least one more season, excuse me, potentially two, uh, having their future kind of hanging in the balance in terms of the NBA draft. So I, I want them to get as many assets as possible. I do agree that Ingles would be an interesting trade candidate at the trade deadline, but I'm not sure that I would prioritize that over getting a first round pick now, if that option exists. Right. No, that's, that's, that's definitely, definitely fair. Um, well, before we let you go on a scale of one to, oh my God, uh, how did you guys feel when you guys, uh, got number two? (laughs) It was, uh, it was adrenaline filled. Um, I was sitting there and I, I know you guys can relate to this in the lead up to the lottery. I had literally written a pre-write for every scenario possible. (laughs) Uh, so I'm sitting there uh, hovering over my dashboard in chorus waiting to see which pick the Grizzlies are going to have so I can hit send. And I'm, I assumed all along that it would either be nine or eight because eight would be the Grizzlies luck. It was a top eight protected pick this year. We talked right. about wanting to convey the pick this year because the draft's not very good outside of the top two or three. And we, we were, we were hoping the pick would convey. So number nine happens and we're like, Oh crap. It didn't, it didn't convey, but the Lakers had already jumped up. So we knew that we were at least going to convey. And once number nine came and it wasn't Memphis, we were like, holy crap. Like that means, 
I mean, we're in the top four, and, and things get real after that. Uh, so, <laughs> obviously, Memphians would have loved to have Zion Williamson. He, he's the most exciting prospect since Anthony Davis and LeBron James and, and all those things. But at the same time, John Morant, I don't know how familiar you guys are with his story. Uh, he's a Memphian. It's he just amazing. doesn't know it yet. You know, from a small town in South Carolina, his work ethic, the way he came up through the the college ranks and going from a zero star, essentially going to Murray State to the likely number two pick in this draft. It's a very Memphis story. And uh, while yeah, I think that R.J. Barrett, yeah, exactly. While I think R.J. Barrett uh, should get some consideration there, and hopefully he has, I like his scoring ability, that sort of stuff. Folks talk about the versatility of Jarrett Culver, uh, and I do see that as well. To me, uh, you need a lead guard in the modern NBA to go alongside your modern modern big. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. can impact the game in a variety of ways defensively at a young age. I think John Morant will do the same thing through his passing and facilitation on the offensive end. So, you know, we've had Marcus All and Mike Conley for a long time, or at least we did in Memphis, a big and a point guard. And, and this is kind of a, a chance to have some renewal and uh, have it all, start all over again. Well, he's certainly explosive. He's going to be on ESPN a lot over his career, John Morant. He is, he's an electric athlete. So that's going to be just, no matter what happens for Memphis, they come away with John Morant and he is just fun to watch. I mean, whew, you could do way worse. He, he's a talented player. I really like his ability to pass the basketball. I think that's something that's going to translate really quickly. I hope Memphis is patient with John Morant the way that they were with Mike Conley all those years ago. Some folks uh, were not patient with Mike. Oh, we mentioned the Ramon Sessions trade uh, that was rumored. Well, I, remember, I um, just remembered Hardwood Paroxysm's article when he got the max. Right. At that, Oh, my goodness. It was like you guys were ready to burn down the fields, man. Yeah, but Memphians understood. And I, I think for the Grizzlies, when he got that, that largest contract in history for the month that it was or whatever it was, uh, mm-hmm. if they hadn't given that to him, he would have left. He would have gone to Dallas. He would have gone to the Mavericks. Right. So. You mm-hmm. have to, the, the market determines what you're worth. And I yep. think we're going to see that again to a lesser degree this summer. You know, I think Tobias Harris is going to make money that he probably shouldn't make. I think Harrison Barnes is going to get years and money that he probably shouldn't get. There's a reason why these guys are opting out. They're, they're not doing it because they think they're going to make less money. Uh, and I think you're going to see a similar kind of situation play out with the contracts that are going to happen. Thankfully, Memphis doesn't have any cap space to do that. Otherwise, they might be in the same boat. But um, it, it's, it's a, it's definitely a spot where you look at that contract of Conley now, and that's often used as a detriment when it comes to him. But what I tell people, cause I've been on other podcasts talking about Mike's trade value. And to, to me, you're, you're looking at it the wrong way. If you're signing Kemba Walker as the New York Knicks to a four year deal for 145 million, whatever it is for the max. You have four years of Kemba Walker, who's 29 years old. That means by his year 33 season, you're paying him almost $50 million. Whereas Mike Conley, who is comparable to Kemba Walker, if you want to argue that Kemba's better, I can hear that argument, but it's not like he's leaps and bounds better than Mike Conley. You have Mike for two years at a lesser price tag, and you can walk away from Mike at that point and not hurt your future money spending. So to me, there's value in that. Yes, he's making a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money compared to what Steph Curry makes now or what guys this summer will make. And it's also not a lot of money in terms of years that you're investing. You're spending $67 million over two years. 
not, you know, in the case of a D'Angelo Russell, it'd probably be something like 120 million over four years. Yeah, he's a younger player, but he's a guy who's not going to be as strong defensively as Mike. He's a guy who's going to need the ball in his hands as a scorer more than Mike will. Mike's a plug and play guy that's going to make you that much better immediately. The fit with Russell would probably take more time to develop. Yeah, and I do agree with that. I think I think what what you have is um, are you hitting the window now, or are you hoping the window opens later with a possibly better, better, a better backcourt? But you might not have the window that you had before. So it's it, oh man, this. It, it, so I'm a little envious that your your team is in the rebuilding stage because right now it's uh, I've as a Utah Jazz fan and and covering this team for oh geez ten years now, yeah I, I can't remember a season where Utah had the potential to not just be a playoff team but an actual contender and the actual heartburn of possibly missing out on that or making or choosing the wrong scenario whether it's behind curtain number one or curtain curtain number two, so. I think uh, in the case of the Utah Jazz, you go for it. And I'll say that as a guy who, you know, followed the team and, and covered the Grizzlies through their seven years of of grit and grind, making the playoffs seven consecutive seasons, reaching the Western Conference Finals one season. Uh, the, the, the series I talked about earlier when Mike Conley broke his face and the Warriors were down 2-1 to the Grizzlies. You know, that's all stuff that we remember. And Obviously, trading for Jeff Green didn't work. Obviously, there were things that they did, the Chandler Parsons signing. There were missteps along mm-hmm. the way that were all in moves that they're paying for now. But at the same time, you, you can't hit a home run if you don't swing. And uh, I yeah. do appreciate how they did their best. They failed in a lot of ways. But the front, <laughs> but the front office did their best to try to maximize those guys in that window. I think you're in that boat right now You know, with Rudy Gobert, with Derek Favors, Joe Ingles. Obviously, Mitchell, who's young, you'll have him around for a while. But Gobert's not getting any younger. You know, it, it, this is your window. This is your opportunity. And I think mm-hmm. you'll see over this offseason a lot of the Western Conference contenders, potentially starting with the Jazz if they trade for Mike Conley. The Warriors, at least for one season, are essentially dead. Uh, yeah. Durant and Thompson aren't coming back, and at least not this season. And while I think Steph and Draymond are pretty good by themselves and they'll probably still compete for the playoffs, they're not a title contender. Houston's in disarray. uh, Denver is the one team that you look at and assume they're going to get better over the offseason just through development of their own guys, but they're still going to be young. To me, Mm -hmm. Utah has just as good a shot as anybody in that Western Conference. They just have to find a point guard that can score the basketball and defend their position. Ricky Rubio wasn't it. I don't think D'Angelo Russell's it for right now. You have the pieces in place to be a contender now. You just need a Mike Conley. Yeah, I do feel the the difference between Mike Conley and D'Angelo Russell is is basically when Peter Griffin went to uh, won that contest and he was like, you can have a boat or the mystery box. Right. He's like, oh man, man, I've always wanted a boat, Uh, but the mystery box, and that's how I feel with D'Angelo Russell. I think he, I think he's a good player now. Um, I think Jazz fans hope that he can be the type of player Mike Conley is later on and think in the development system in Utah, he could become that. But you're always taking a chance. You're always taking a chance when you're not going for the for sure thing. And so, um, and I, it, and you always have to be careful when a team uh, like Brooklyn says, you know what, we'd rather have Kyrie Irving than now than uh, D'Angelo Russell for 
for the foreseeable future. And so you always have to be a little bit careful with that. So sure. dude, Joe, thank you. Thank you for joining us and uh, hopping on. Um, we are in your debt and we will go on to your show and, 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 and tell you all the great things that, uh, uh, cash considerations to be named later we'll be able to provide your team <laughs> well i as, as i kind of alluded to earlier i my hope for mike obviously beyond helping the grizzlies uh, with with their rebuild that they're entering my hope for mike is that he can go to a team where he's going to compete for a title and the teams right. that have been listed in realistic rumors he, he can go and compete for a title there and that's my mm -hmm. goal for him just like it was for mark you know you care about these guys you follow them you you believe in them as as people as you get to know them which sounds dumb because you don't really know them that way uh, but you're emotionally invested and you get emotionally invested in these players so uh, i if the trade goes down i'll definitely have you guys on gbb live and we can talk more about it uh, i do think utah fans should prioritize mike conley don't don't let the years scare you don't let the money scare you it's not that bad in terms of the length of it and what you're getting in return is literally one of the very best people in the NBA. He's literally never been called for a technical foul. That's never happened. Um, you're, you're getting a guy who's going to fit your locker room immediately and make your team that much better the moment that you finalize that trade. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Joe. Um, and uh, we will definitely, uh, hopefully, talk soon um, after a Mike Conley trade. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, thanks again to Joe to join us and talk about Mike Conley. Honestly, that was awesome. Uh, provided me some insight I didn't really realize. Uh, but now it's time to talk about something maybe even more important than a possible Conley trade. And we kind of touched on it a tiny bit with with Joe. And that is just the Austin is going down in flames. Oh, my Boston, gosh. It's Boston amazing. Is, Boston uh, is dying. I think the harbor's on fire. Um, <laughs> people are running in the streets like a Godzilla film because oh my uh, Al Horford is not going to Rah. rejoin the Celtics. Rah. 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 Oh, you hate to see it. You hate oh. to see it. Tough scene. Oh, oh my goodness. So sad. Oh my so gosh. I'm uh, Hold on. Hold, I'm getting so teary-eyed over it. Oh my <laughs> it is a it is a rough rough uh, scene right now in boston yeah, I, I mean i can there, I, I don't i don't think that anybody could ever relate to somebody um losing their star players that they've invested so heavily in um to see them tampered with so blatantly and <laughs> I mean, here's a team that did everything right and still lost. My goodness. But hey, kudos to Gordon Hayward for figuring out a way to um, to experience what the Utah Jazz might have experienced 
uh, had they not drafted Donovan Mitchell. So kudos to him um, in all of his his uh, endeavors over there in Boston. Unfinished business. I hope you win win a chip. Um, <laughs> it's it's just you know it's just too bad that to he gets it. to he you gets to, to you know it's hard that he's going to have to feel the exact same thing he did to Utah to everyone he left behind in Utah. He now has to experience it. It's just. You know, it's just too bad for that guy. I just honestly, it's hard not to feel bad for Hayward, who, you know, was just such a gracious guy. He was so willing to call Gale and and so willing to give the Jazz kind of a heads up on what was going to happen so that maybe they could do something in free agency. It's such a shame that he's going to be left, uh, you know, with uh, Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart and that incredible corner. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my I can't. goodness! He's going to be a great. Power, he's going to be a great power forward. I tell you what, it's <laughs> it's it, like this is the thing. Like, okay, first, uh, Mark Murphy, um, like Al Horford is saying he's leaving, and Kyrie Irving is completely ghosting uh, the Boston Celtics. That doesn't mean he's leaving. It's just that he's done this with the Cavs before, and he left. Um. And it's kind of what Gordon Hayward did to Utah. This is uh, pretty indicative. Ghosting is pretty indicative of a young 20-year-old who just d- wants to break up but doesn't really want to talk about breaking up. And you got um, one of my favorites, Mark Murphy, who covers the Boston Celtics, said there's a league source that um, Celtics believe Horford may already have a good idea of where he's headed after such a dramatic step back from negotiations, which, oh, my gosh, People are already, they're like, really wouldn't be thrilled with the level of tampering the Celtics have had to deal with if I were them, um, says good old Max Carlin for, of the Celtics blog. We know everyone does it, but can't remember high profile guys like this clearly having deals with other teams done this early. Can you, Max? Can you? Can you not remember like one, one guy who was tampered with? I don't know. Would have been, I don't know. I can't remember. It's, it's two years ago. <laughs> Such a long time. It's, 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 ah, man, I, I, I wish, I, I really, really wish I could remember something like this, but man, it's just hard to put a name with a face and a 4th of July barbecue. Just hard, (laughs) just really hard. And an article he was definitely writing that day and. uh, Yeah, an article. And then he. Then he took it back because he didn't get to break the news because because daddy's always happy. <laughs> Man, I just My goodness, you know what? It's it's uh, it's just a great day in jazz land. I mean, the jazz could just fall through with everything they've done and just seeing what's happened to Hayward um, and the Boston Celtics. It's OK. I don't even care. Them crumbling is about as good as anything the jazz are going to do. I right. I I. Uh, I Honestly, like if you'd have told me this is what would have happened to Boston two years ago, I'd have, I'd uh not believed I just you. Thought you were insane. I would thought like this is this is my this is like my dreaded scenario where I was just like we are going to lose, we are going to lose Hayward, and then we're going to suck, and then Gobert is not going to want to be here, and it's all going to go downhill. And now it's like, oh my gosh, this is delicious. It is. This is wonderful and, and, and so karmic. It is so damn karmic. You know what the most incredible aspect of it is? Al Horford might go to the Brooklyn Nets 
who the Brooklyn Nets fleeced to get the picks that they uh, used to get Kyrie Irving, who will now go to the, back to the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. <laughs> the, it's too poetic. It's almost just it's how almost, they drew it up. It's not just even how they drew it up. It's not. I mean, it's just. It's so crazy how, uh, like how just the karma of it all is just and it's fantastic. It's unbelievable. I uh, it is. I don't know. It's great. And then and then you have the Lakers on one side. They get AD, and you're just like, oh f. And then AD takes his extra money, and now the Lakers are desperate to have anybody take on their extra contract so they can make room. For second for round third, picks, <laughs> yeah, for, for second round picks and a third and 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 a third star possibly, so they can squeak to thirty million. But even then, the person that they'd be taking on would have to take a pay cut, and the person who would be in their salary range, D'Angelo Russell. Oh yeah, you kind of burnt a bridge there. So it is ah so awesome. I love this. I love this so much, and. On top of that, we just got finished talking to Joe from Grizzly Bear Blues, who you're talking about Mike Conley, and the Jazz could actually be a championship contender and be in the NBA Finals next year, only three years after losing Hayward. Oh my gosh, could you imagine could you that? Oh my, if, if we go to the NBA Finals before, before the Boston, Boston Celtics, and Hayward is left in the rubble that is the, the Celtics right now, I mean... God. I will drop uh, like so many unfinished business tweets. S- uh, like uh, I will drop finished business, finished <laughs> business. And uh, it is so, so beautiful. Okay. And, and the thing about this is even if, okay, like and now, and now let's, let's talk about this. Even if Gordon Hayward comes back to the way he was a couple years ago, they won't have, they won't have Horford. They won't have a paint protecting big man. Uh, Tatum, um, okay, maybe he's a star, maybe he's not. You don't know. Uh, you don't have any point guard play. You don't have any power forward play. Uh, Jalen Brown is up and down. And uh, so Terry Rozier is your guy. Oh, by the way, Terry Rozier just went on a churn and burn, like napalming the fields behind him and throwing so much salt in the wound and, and basically saying, you know, all the – all the amounts and attention that was given to Gordon Hayward, this is this has been unnecessary. And guess what? Gordon Hayward, the um, very non-confrontational guy that he is, um, has to go back into this locker room. He asked for this. I don't feel bad roasting him at this point because oh, guess no. what? The Utah media, Utah media, we wouldn't. We no one would have been this vindictive if he was in Utah. Like think about think about like the flowery pieces that uh, Derek Favors has got, Ricky Rubio's got everything. Even Rick Ricky Rubio was uh, like took a veiled shot at the front office. People were like, all of us were like, well, you know, it's fair to you know to to look at that and and be like, you know what, a- anybody would be frustrated in that point. If Ricky Rubio makes that same veiled remark in Boston, that's that's like three weeks worth of like front like running front page. You're getting on you're you're your hit on ESPN and people were like, is there a problem in the Boston locker room? And in Utah, it just is able to just flow down the river and let bygones be bygones. And Gordon Hayward threw that away and he could have had himself 
a hell of a team to be around. He could have had himself. This would have, would have been a, a championship contender had he stayed. Um, well, actually, we don't know. We don't know if Donovan Mitchell would. I still think Donovan Mitchell would have developed, but who knows? Because evidently, anywhere Gordon Hayward goes, you got to stroke that ego. So, eh. So, <laughs> that being said. It's just, it's just it's glorious. glorious. It's just absolutely fantastic. And to everyone that gave us a hard time for for calling Gordon Hayward out for what was so obviously, um, I mean, the thing is, is he really does deserve all of this because he lied to Utah to go where he wanted to go. He made sure that Utah kept him long enough so that it was too late for them to do any moves, so they couldn't trade him. He made it so that it was impossible for Utah to trade him to Boston, so he would have the best situation possible when he got there. This was all set up by him he made his bed and now he's gonna have to sleep in it and you're right like that locker room next season when he's there and he walks in whoo boy that is going to be gonna be brutal that is going to be as awkward a locker room as there is out there and honestly we might find out that gordon was the root of all the problems and i have no you know i have no i would not be surprised at all if it's just the exact same thing next year because What's going to make it better that Kyrie's gone? Sure, Kyrie's a moody guy, but apparently, according to Jackie McMullen, uh, I, I can't remember if she writes for the Boston Globe, but incredibly respect, respected writer, says that it all started because they were force-feeding the Gordon Hayward thing to make Gordon happy. Because all that mattered was Gordon's happiness, and what it did is it imploded the team. So, my goodness. Which, I mean, isn't it crazy that... Uh during Gordon Hayward, when he was a, a rookie, a second-year player, uh, we were like, man, they're they're pushing him behind Josh Howard. They're not letting him get any time. Um, and, 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 and Ty is not giving him – like, uh, we saw Vets diminish his development, and, and all it took was eight years, and he is doing the same thing to highly talented players when he's not the same guy. Oh, my God. Gosh, you cannot write this any better. If you were gonna, if you were going to talk to a jazz fan in their most vindictive moment, right after Gordon Hayward signed with the Boston Celtics, they couldn't have written something better than is what is going on in good in good old New England. Like it, the fact that Utah is in a better place than they are, um, the fact that Danny Ainge uh, basically ran uh, like. To be fair, he's. He accumulated all these picks. He played the game really well. He was almost cutthroat when it came to passing on stars and leaving and getting them at the height of their value. Like he was playing it like an insider trader and he won and he will still be left with nothing. I mean, le- I mean, absolutely nothing. If you're uh, like, well, Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum, like he's got two good pieces in the Jalen Brown which I Jalen Brown's like the Jeff Green of that situation where you're like, well, I mean, it was the best that you weren't getting anybody better after that. But I mean, still. um, So what are you going to like? It's beautiful. It's, it's so karmic. It's so damn karmic. And, and it just goes to show you, Time after time after time, players bust out of Utah thinking the grass is greener on the other side. They got a good thing in Utah. 
and they take for granted just how good of a situation it is to be in Utah with the organization, with the fan base, with the media there, how slow going that you're able to be your own guy and they rush to a big market because they get a visit there from time to time and don't realize like what they're getting themselves into. Oh my gosh. Like and we take more heat sometimes than the players do. Like SLC dunk where we write things where it's just like, you know, we'll, we see that, there's some sort of issue or we call out uh, certain aspects that we think aren't correct, or we're just willing to like make a, a truthful statement of that. We'll get killed. Like when we talked about Gordon Hayward sh- should not be sitting on the bench, we get killed for saying stuff like that. And then it turns out that Gordon Hayward should have started over Josh Howard. And, and then, you know, you, you, that's like the, the market you're in with Utah is like literally like the blog gets more heat than you do. Uh, for what you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. The, and then like, but you go to Boston. It's not a hard market. It's a really simple market. Yeah, you go to Boston. And, and Kyrie would, found out real quick, would, like, oh, this sucks. Like, they ask me every yeah. single day all these different things. They ask me why I'm not a better leader every single day and 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 all these expectations that are just out of this world because they expect the world in Boston and, and uh, you know, it's too bad. I, I personally am just I could not be smiling bigger when I saw that Al Horford was leaving. That right there is worse than Kyrie. Like Kyrie, I think a lot of Boston fans were really pretty happy to see, uh, Mm -hmm. to see him go with just kind of the locker room situation. But I don't honestly see how it's going to get better, but seeing Al Horford who they love and who is a legitimate like cornerstone of that team that helped them win. Seeing him leave has got to be about as painful as anything. And, Danny Ainge, oh, man. I mean, Danny Ainge He's is he, what has made him quote unquote great in the past is now killing him because his inability to like look bad on a deal in any sort of deal. So like with Al Horford, they, he doesn't opt in and Danny Ainge doesn't want to meet him, meet him halfway with a four year deal or whatever it is. Uh, now they're losing out mm-hmm. on him. They're left with Jason Tatum, who took a major step back this year. Uh, and Jalen Brown, who at times has looked great and also has regressed, though. So, you know, it makes you wonder, like, how yeah. good are these guys? Or, you know, do we have a coach problem? Is Brad Stevens overrated? You know, Brad Stevens, who people called the second coming of Greg Popovich for years, you know, all of a sudden, if he gets, I mean, there's a, there's a scenario where he's not even coaching them after another year. It's just right. It's too incredible. It's too good. I I'm going to sleep really well tonight. And no matter what happens with Utah. And that's the thing here. So if you're choosing which team you'd like to have in terms of what their future is, would you rather have Utah or Boston? I I mean, I guess, yeah. unless the Jazz don't pull, if the Jazz pull a Mike Conley trade, I mean, I think that's a pretty easy choice. And that's remarkable considering what Boston was looking at just at the beginning of last season. Unbelievable. I, uh, it's so it's glorious. It's fantastic. It's uh I don't know. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I I I can't believe I can't believe they were able to get this. <laughs> I mean honestly, we like once we saw that news, I honestly I had to like step out of my office just to like squeal. <laughs> This is just too. Is this a dream? Is this uh, I? This has oh. to be a dream. This can't be real. Good things like this just. In fact, it, and and we've talked about this over phone call uh, from time to time. Is 
this offseason for Utah is lining up to be the best case scenario where Utah has choices. And I think that's what makes it so hard. Um, and we were like, well, do you go Mike Conley? Do you kind of see what's out there for D'Angelo Russell? Like, what do you do? And the, and the reason why it's like so tense is just like, uh, uh, for the Jazz, you're just and as a Jazz fan, you're you're not used to things going your way. I know. And when things don't go your way, you're like, you're you're, you're suspicious. Yeah, like uh, it's everyone like, in Jazzland right now is like, it, okay, what's the catch? It's like the yeah, it's like the girl that goes like, out with you. This on, is a free car. Well, it's just the girl that goes yeah, out with you in college, and she's so clearly out of your league, and you're just like, uh. <laughs> what's going on here and nine times out of ten it's just because she's on break with her super hot boyfriend and <laughs> was obligated this, to go out this, with you is this because my best friend has a summer home in la her best friend said this, you had this to because go my... <laughs> and so that's yeah, usually what like, it is it's usually yeah, like yeah it's just like my best friend said you you know you hadn't been out in a while so it's just <laughs> so what do you Sorry, it's just so It's good. so crazy. It just makes me yeah, so happy. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's just so it great. It's so crazy. And so this, this doesn't happen. And so... Uh, Utah being in this scenario is just so uncharted waters for Jazz fans. We, You know, there is a legit possibility. I mean, honestly, there is just not a scenario... You couldn't have written this stuff. Like, the fact that, like, Horford and Kyrie might go to Brooklyn, you know, clearing up space so that ja- the Jazz might be able to even sign, like, D'Angelo Russell or Tobias Harris... Is just so unfathomably amazing. I can't. I can't. Yeah, I mean that's basically it, it's it's like getting the golden ticket. It's just like one of you will be able to have all of this, and you're like, okay, why? Oh, I just it makes me so happy. <laughs> it just it's just great. And then you realize it's because Oompa Loompas are like murderous people and trying to kill people. Yeah. But, uh, but so it's so where's the catch? So. I, and, and that's why, like my my feeling is, and and I think you're more on, still on the side of D'Angelo Russell, where I'm on the side of like going after Mike Conley. It's like, okay, the conditions are good. Get in, get out. We're not going to we're not going to spend too much time. We have our window. Well, let's, and I I actually like that from Joe. I think not, let's not get greedy. Joe made a really great case. Let's not get greedy here. Joe made a really great case for for uh, for Mike Conley, and I think. Honestly, if you're a jazz fan, you do got to kind of remember you are a jazz fan. <laughs> like, you know, it's like going back to the college scenario like i am like a six <laughs> like, that's the best i'm gonna do <laughs> uh so like you gotta secure what you can secure if uh if you gotta yeah if you can go in there and and get it like don't be greedy don't be greedy like, don't and so yeah you've gotta if you if conley is available and it's for something uh very reasonable then you do it because there is a window for the yeah. jazz to go very far in the playoffs and maybe even go to the finals honestly uh, you've got to make right. sure. And I, I wrote my, I wrote my article on what was it two days ago, three days ago, where I said if the Jazz are, trade for Mike Conley, they're a championship contender. Like this is your window. This is we 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 say it all the time. Like people are like, well, I'm not sure if the Hall would be worth Mike Conley. And the thing is, that's not the correct question you're answering. Like for the question that Memphis is asking in these trade negotiations is, does are we getting a player who can grow with this core? somewhere in out of these players is there one the question that utah is asking themselves with this is can we win a championship and that is insane that that's a question that has a legit response to it which is a yes well and that's the question they're asking him so there so then the question becomes what would we give to win a championship next year 
what would we give and what can't we give if we want to win a championship next year and so that's what that's what if you're going after mike conley that's the question that's being asked us and 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 what what they stand to gain mm-hmm. well and i i just think that um there's even scenarios where the jazz could pull off like two big names like you know it it takes a lot of maneuvering and a lot of finagling to make it happen but the fact that like there's even scenarios out there where the Jazz could find a way to get Conley with Memphis, and if they time everything right, and with the pieces they send over, they could also kind of they could make it work to get Tobias Harris as well. Uh, the Jazz have a lot of options, and they could make. I just found out that they can't do. Oh, they that. can't do that. Unfortunately, yep, they are two and a half million dollars short. Unless, unless I guess that would take like. Uh, Tobias Harris saying I'd rather take 31 million instead of 33 and maybe he'd be willing to do that if mm-hmm. maybe he will but you know you shouldn't expect that but you know if he has a chance to join Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert and the rest of that crew you know then maybe you're willing to do it. That'd be insane. Uh but they're the Jazz at at very worst are probably coming away. Like I was talking to somebody on Twitter and you know worst case scenario this offseason the Jazz end up with like Patrick Beverly. And honestly, that's an upgrade at the point guard position because it's someone who can defend and shoot. And then you see a lot more ball handling with Donovan Mitchell. Best case is the Jazz come away with a free agent like Tobias Harris, or they are able to make a trade with Mike Conley. And the Mike Conley trade sounds like probably the most likely scenario, considering all these reports out there. Yeah, I there is. It just feels I feel, there's a chance I think like when we when we because we'll be posting this like your people are probably re, uh, listening to this on a Wednesday morning. Um, there's a chance that this is that this happens today, uh, you know, the day before the draft. It's crazy how um, how fast this has progressed. Mm-hmm. So, well, this is great. With all of that said, this is just awesome. Hopefully, we're get next time you hear us is just in a couple of days where we're just being like, oh my gosh, we get we're good. Um, so, uh, as always, uh, check us out at slcdunk.com. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and the good old gram at slcdunk. And then, of course, subscribe to our podcast wherever you can subscribe to podcasts, whether that is iTunes, Spotify, Twitcher, um, all the good ones. And uh, so you can stay up to date with what's going on. Also, I'm still not sorry for trading for Andrew Wiggins in a fake mock draft. Um, sorry. You'll hear crickets from me on that one. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It was a good trade and you know it. Peace out, y'all. You have a good one. Talk to you later. <laughs>